Hello and welcome to the Third Sector Podcast. I'm Alina Martin. And I'm Lucinda Rouse. We're reporters at Third Sector, the UK's leading publication for the voluntary and not-for-profit sector. In this episode, we tackle TikTok, the short-form video platform which has proven to be incredibly successful since its launch in 2016. A key source of entertainment and information, especially for younger generations, the video app has gone from strength to strength despite attempts to ban it from certain members of the former US administration. One thing's for sure, whatever TikTok is doing is working, and we will spend the next 30 minutes exploring how charities can make it work for them. And in the Good News Bulletin later, we'll be talking about the trend of drug dealers donating their earnings to charity, albeit involuntarily with the full force of the law behind them. But first, let's introduce our guest, one of the charity sector's TikTok gurus, Rebs Curtis Moss. With an extensive CV of fundraising and digital communications in the third sector, Rebs is currently working as the interim social media manager at Shelter. Before that, she was at the RNLI and paved the way for the launch of their hugely successful TikTok channel. Their first video has attracted 2.9 million views, which is certainly something to aspire to. Hello, Rebs, and welcome to the Third Sector Podcast. Hi, nice to be here. And first, I'd like to know if you wouldn't mind how you got into TikTok and at what point did you see that it would be necessary to engage with as part of your job? Well, I think TikTok's been around for quite a number of years now, but it was only really in the pandemic that I really started to take off. I think because people were stuck at home in lockdowns with nothing to do other than sitting on their smartphones and scrolling through videos. Um, So I think at that point, it started to become a lot more important to brands and charities. And I guess kind of transcended what a lot of marketers had originally seen as a bit of a fad for dancing children. It stopped being just about that and it started becoming a lot more important, particularly as it got more popular with kind of people over the age of 18, basically. And just for context, for people who have never used TikTok before, how does it work? How is it different from other social media platforms? And what do you get? What are the advantages of using it? Sure. So um, I think first off, it's kind of important to like lay a bit of context for what TikTok is. So like basically, um, it's the seventh biggest social media app in the world uh, and right now it's got just over 20 million active users aged 18 and above in the UK um, and it's super popular with Gen Z uh, so people under the age of 24 and millennials as well um, there's a lot of elder millennials on there which um, very sadly I fall into that category myself <laughs> you and um, me both which, I think <laughs> which always always makes me a little bit sad to be referred to as an elder millennial but there you go In terms of how it works, uh, it's a short form video sharing app and users can create and share videos that are between kind of 15 seconds and 10 minutes in length. Um, Things that are super important on TikTok are like trending sounds and music. They form a really central role uh, on this platform more so than others. That means making things like content that involve things like dancing and lip syncing. Um, That's why they're so popular on this channel, but there's loads more to TikTok than dancing children as I said previously videos are shown to users based on their interests rather than who they follow which is another really important distinction between TikTok and other social media platforms Um, there's not really a news feed like you get on other platforms it's this for you page and it serves you content based on what you're interested in and what you've previously watched and the plus side to that is that basically TikTok serves super super targeted content to users 
which is really, really good from a brand perspective and a charity perspective. Another thing about TikTok is that like authenticity is kind of really key. Um, so, you know, content that's informal, lighthearted and deliberately features kind of less branding than you get on other channels. So videos on TikTok tend to be a lot more kind of rough and ready than they would be on your more traditional social channels like your Facebook and your YouTube and your Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Um, another um, couple of important points, I feel like I'm doing a lecture here, <laughs> <laughs> a couple of other super important things about TikTok are that um, users spend on average longer on this platform than they do on other video sharing kind of social media. So for example, YouTube. Um, and yeah, like user engagement is high. People are generally more receptive to things like brand messaging and calls to action on TikTok, which from a charity perspective um, is really, really significant and why charities should really be thinking about TikTok and their strategy. Um, and another thing about TikTok that makes it really different is that the algorithm is super different from other channels. So the most important thing on TikTok is watchability. So watching a video all the way through from start to finish gets you kind of more points you like and it gets the video then gets served to more people and therefore you kind of page and then the second thing is if people watch the video multiple times so if they watch it all the way through once and then they go back to the start and watch it all all the way through again that kind of gets more points um, and it gets served to even more people so things like likes and comments aren't that important on this channel it's all about watchability and video views and videos are on loop as well aren't they so that it encourages people to be watching them over and over again if they so wish to yeah yeah and you've you've touched a little bit about um how it is well suited to charities in terms of call to action and that sort of thing but could you perhaps give us a a quick rundown of why charities should or maybe shouldn't get involved um bearing in mind the amount of time that it can take and resources that charities may have available sure thing so one of the really important things to bear in mind for charities that are thinking of starting out on the channel are that it's a brand awareness channel. Um, so basically, if you're looking to raise awareness amongst younger audiences, then TikTok's definitely going to be a good place to do that. Um, but what is not is a direct fundraising channel. So yes, there's donation functionality available on TikTok. And as someone who has worked in fundraising myself, I never want to be like negative about uh fundraising or a channel's income kind of uh, generation ability but you know I think that we have to be realistic about TikTok it's brand awareness not fundraising it can play a part in a social fundraising strategy of your charity if you have one but it's probably going to be quite a small part and I've seen that with other large charities in the UK on the platform that they are raising money through it but it's usually a very small percentage of what they're raising through the likes of Facebook so it's not going to make you big bucks certainly not to begin with But what you can do is you can use TikTok to grow an audience that are then going to go on to become donors and supporters in the future. Um, But the priority should always be kind of building a brand and a connection with a new audience in the first instance. I think another like key consideration for charities when it comes to like whether they should or shouldn't be on the channel is just to do with resources as well. So basically, unlike to TikTok, you need to be putting out like multiple posts a week. 
um, the content has to be bespoke. So it's not like other channels where you could just cross post. Um, not that you should ever really do that on social media, but you, oh, really? you, you, can, you, you can get away <laughs> with it, right? On other Oops. channels, um, you, you, can de- you can definitely do it. Like really anything you put on social media should be bespoke to that channel and to that channel's audience, right? But right, people yeah. do cross post. It does happen and that's fine to an extent, but on TikTok, that really doesn't work. You can't have something that you've worked out on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube and sit up on TikTok. And mm-hmm. some of the reasons for that are to do with the dimensions and the fact that it's different dimensions um, in terms of it being a vertical rather than a horizontal or square video. Um, and some of it's to do with just the way that like the style of video on TikTok is very, very different. So, yeah, I mean, basically, stuff needs to be bespoke. Um, and you then need to think about like how are you going to have the time to create that content like do you work in a large charity comms or social media team and um, can they support with it because it's not a one-person job you know there's going to be lots of people that are going to need to be involved if you want to do it well and um, do you have buy-in from elsewhere in the organization you know will other teams be able to get involved and um, how are you going to kind of encourage them to do that are staff comfortable using their smartphones is another big one because everything really has to be done in app uh, on TikTok. Um, so people really need to be able to use a smartphone. You can't make something in Premiere Pro and then whack it on TikTok. It needs to, all the effects need to be added uh, within the app and that needs to be done on a phone. Um, and another really important one that I think a lot of people don't consider until they start a TikTok channel is, you know, do you have people who are comfortable appearing in front of the camera? Mm. Um <laughs> So yeah, you kind of you kind of need to iron out a lot of those things pre-launch. So it's not a case of you can't launch TikTok unless you have every single one of those absolutely sorted in advance. But try and have as many of those questions answered in advance before you set up a TikTok channel. I'd say a hundred percent. And to the point that you were making about cross-posting, this is just a personal anecdote. I don't really have data to back it up, but I have noticed that like if I make a TikTok on my personal account and then download it and repost it on Instagram on Reels. It doesn't do as well as a Reel that I make in the Instagram app. It seems like they don't really like each other as if they kind of um, like the app can tell that it's coming from a different app and they're in competition with each other somehow. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd actually say that one way that you can repost for TikTok is on Instagram Reels. But that only really works if you take the TikTok logo off and you don't have too many obvious in-app features that are only in TikTok, like you say. Otherwise, it's like the app, the the algorithm knows um, somehow. I'm not very sure how it knows, but it knows. Um, So, yeah, having bespoke content for different channels is always good. But I'd say Mm. that if there's one one thing that you could cross-post, there's definitely a similarity between Reels and TikTok, more so than TikTok and any other any other platform yeah and considering that you would have to create new content specifically for TikTok then um, what kind of advice do you have in terms of developing a posting strategy um, a content plan and how do you measure success and how long do you give the app to tell whether it's doing something for you or not yeah so basically when I was at uh, the RNLI I was uh, one of their senior social media managers. And one of the things that I was doing was creating a strategy and an overarching content and launch plan uh, for TikTok. 
alongside lots of really talented colleagues. So like I said before, it's not a one person job. Um, there's lots of people involved. Analyze yeah. really haven't even seen your face on on any of the of the videos of the RNLI videos. No, no, no. Um, there's there's lot lots of people involved in um in TikTok and in video creation, and that's the way that's the way that it definitely uh, definitely should be. But basically, the way that I sort of developed that strategy or looked at that strategy was by kind of looking at what other charities were doing and what was working for other charities what wasn't working for other charities um kind of picking up the phone or well that sounds very 2003 doesn't it um <laughs> dropping other social media managers uh, an email and trying to get a call set up with them um just to chat through what's working on their channel and what's not and I think deciding a purpose for the channel straight off the bat is really really important um so Obviously, they aren't alive. The core purpose of the charity is to save lives at sea. So how is TikTok going to feed into that overarching strategy and those overarching goals of the organisation? Um, so the way that we sort of decided that would work is, firstly, TikTok would share life-saving, key life-saving messaging on the platform. So that was one way it would save lives at sea. And the other way was by ensuring like a sustainable future, so getting more people through the door, so to speak, more people know about the RNLI, the future is going to be more sustainable in the future, uh, and so forth. Um, and then we kind of looked at like tactics, so like what are we going to post, how are we going to post it, uh, when are we going to post it, all that kind of stuff. So in terms of like content, we had different content pillars, um, but we're kind of set out in advance before getting to the point of actually hitting like live on the page. And the three things that we had were kind of educational and explainer, um, exclusive and then reactive as well. So those were the three different kind of areas of, of different types of video content. Um, and that first kind of explainer piece was like a mixture of FAQs and safety messaging as well. So really important key safety messaging, how to stay safe in the water. Um, then we had kind of behind the scenes access, which I think is a really important one on TikTok, is giving people some form of exclusivity. Um, so they feel like they're watching something that other users on other channels wouldn't get. So things like crew Q&As, um, that can add real kind of value to user experience. So try to do some of those. And then the last one's kind of like jumping on the latest trends where possible. Obviously, some of them would be totally inappropriate um, for the RNLI or any other charity to jump on. A couple of other things we did was we looked at like standardised thumbnails. So on the RNLI profile itself, I was really keen that it looks like the RNLI um, when you go onto that profile. So the videos themselves um, look and feel like the RNLI without having like explicit branding in them. But if you go onto the profile, it's a similar sort of thing. Um, like all the thumbnails are standardized in terms of like how they look, the way the kind of titles are written out. Most of the videos, if you look at them, have some form of like soft branding in them. So like a lifeboat, a crew member um, in their uniform, that kind of thing. So it's not quite whacking a logo on everything um, like you might get on some other channels more explicitly. It's a lot softer, but definitely having that kind of really strong brand presence that works for TikTok specifically, I think was super important. Um, some other stuff we did was we built a bank of evergreen content ideas in advance of launching and we also had um, completed videos pre-launch. So we had around, I think, eight videos um, in advance of actually launching the channel so that we weren't sort of launching and then going, okay, what now? Um, 
what's uh, next? Panic, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the week. last. <laughs> that's like absolutely like that's like the last thing you want, right? Um, so we made sure that that wasn't going to happen. Um, and one of the ways that the team did that was we looked at the most popular performing videos from elsewhere on social and found ones that we could repurpose so for example if we had lots of I mean the RNL is super super lucky because they have by nature loads of video footage and I know that not all organizations are going to be as kind of um, lucky as that it just depends on on the charity but because they had that video footage already tried to really use that to our advantage um, strip it back take any music off the videos take any edits that have been done in Premiere Pro or whatever off subtitles all that kind of stuff um, and just have the raw footage and then build out any edits actually in TikTok. Mm. Then we kind of like made a bit of a schedule as to like how often we were going to post so that we were keeping momentum up. So if you actually look on the channel, there was like something going out the day we launched and then a couple of days after, then the day after that, just to really keep the keep the momentum up um, and make sure that we weren't just sort of posting once and yeah, then grappling around going, oh my God, yeah. what are we going to do now? <laughs> And, you know, like other important things, like I said before, were like ensuring the resources were in place. So like making sure there was time carved out for content creation every week within the team. So like that includes everything from like horizon scanning on like trending sounds and music through to like your storyboarding, through to your filming, because filming always takes longer than you think it's going to take um, every single time. Like, oh, this will take 10 minutes. It never does. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the end platform editing as well. So all those things were really, really important. And we kind of needed to ensure like internal buy-in as well before we launched. So we had an internal launch and let staff and volunteers know about it and let them know ways that they could get involved if they wanted to, which I think was really important because you're already going to have people in the charity on TikTok. So why not use that to your advantage and try and get them involved in shaping what the channel looks like and get them involved in like content creation? And all that kind of stuff. So it's not just one person um, in front of your videos because you kind of don't don't necessarily want that. Um, and then like with KPIs as well, I thought it would be really important to make sure that we could like actually see what success looks like. Um, I think in social media, there's always a bit of a uh, risk that you end up with like vanity metrics and you just have lots of metrics that look really nice to senior management, but they don't actually mean anything. Like, oh, we have 2000 followers. Okay, cool. What does that mean? Like, what what difference is that making? Um, so we're looking at things like actual engagement on videos, so like video views and watchability in particular, the growth of the channel, but also conversions as well, something that sort of said I thought we should try and keep an eye on as well. So you have kindly selected uh, a couple of videos from TikTok as examples that then we will discuss. Obviously, our listeners on the podcast are not going to be getting the full effect because we are audio only. Um, but I think you chose a video that you feel would carry quite well on audio anyway. Um, shall we just go ahead and play it and then we can talk about it? Yeah. So we'll start with the RNLI. If you get into trouble in the water and are struggling to catch your breath, lean back in the water like this. With your arms and legs outstretched in the starfish position. Keep your head back and raise your chest. If you need to, gently move your hands and feet to help keep you afloat. Once you've got your breathing under control, you can then swim to safety and call for help. Cool. So I know 
you previously said it's not about the likes and the follows, but just to inform our listeners, this currently has 30.9 thousand likes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's pretty good. And it's got, I think it's 2.2 million views that video got organically. So it, um, it was one of the best performing videos um, that they've done so far on their channel, mm. um, especially for water safety advice. Um, mm. So yeah, it went, it went really, really well. Um, and I think some of the keys with that video are that, like, if you listen to the way the voiceover is, like, that's an in-app feature. Yeah. That's not, like, a person narrating the video. It's this kind of weird automated voice that TikTok have, which I suppose some people might think is a bit odd. But the important thing is that users in TikTok absolutely love videos that have that voice on them. It's kind of like a TikTok uh, staple. Um, so, again, it's just a case of taking advantage of in-app features and modifying the way that you communicate something so that it works on that platform for that audience and it's really simple as well like it's a really really simple video I think it's got a trending sound on it Um, I know that some of their other stuff's got like major trended sounds on it which is super super important your video tends to get served to more people if you have uh, trending music in it or trending sounds. On that topic of using this in-app format that might not be as popular with a, an older audience, um, <laughs> I think the word you used was elder millennial. Um, yeah. What struck me about this TikTok is that you did use a trending sound, which I recognize from being an app user. Um, and my question is, how do you capitalize on those trends and on those in-app formats without diluting your brand's message um but the, the message of this tiktok was very very important and serious and for some charities i'm assuming maintaining some sort of gravitas is important which may not be compatible with the more light-hearted aspect of tiktok how do you manage those yeah i think it's a really good question ultimately like what the rli does is super super serious like yeah. there's nothing more serious than saving people's lives i would say like preventing drowning like that's not necessarily like a fun a fun topic so how do you make it fun um if you like or how do you make that information consumable i think it's about making it super simple breaking messaging down into really really simple digestible formats um and that's something that shelter does a lot of on their tiktoks as well and that you know housing emergency topics don't tend to be the sexiest or the most interesting like they include a lot of policy a lot of legislation and jargon again it's about turning that on its head and putting it into a digestible format that people will be interested in also there's this whole kind of like learning from tiktok thing is a big is like a really big deal on the platform and people like to learn new things and like top tips and all that kind of stuff so when charities try and capitalise on that kind of need for information almost that people on the platform seem to have, that tends to work really well and go down really well. I'm not very sure if that actually answered your question or not. No, I think that's a great point, uh, trying to find that middle ground and adjust the message to the platform that you're using without compromising on the quality of the information. Definitely. And I think it's about picking the trends that you jump on as well. Like, not jumping on every single thing yeah. um otherwise your platform is just going to be loads of silly dances and strange lip syncs and stuff so it always has to come back to the core purpose of your charity but i think as long as you have a really solid strategy uh, which sets out the mission of the platform like why are you using that channel how is that 
feeding back into the overarching purpose of the charity. If you always have that in mind whenever you're deciding whether or not to use like a trending sound or a trending piece of music, I think that's fine. But I think if you just, there is definitely the risk that you could just start jumping on every single reactive thing. And like you say, just completely diluting your brand. So you do have to be careful and really selective as to which trends you jump on. Can you think of any standout examples of trends that you have perhaps been surprised by, but you've managed to capitalize on in the charity TikTok space? Oh, that's a good question. Um... There's a cool one that um, Shelter did a couple of months ago, which was this weird one where it's people pretending to bite things and it's like a video game noise. Does anyone know? Do either of you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. It's kind of a difficult one to explain, but it's basically like someone looking at the screen and kind of like um, pretending to bite random things that are coming Mm -hmm. up on the screen. Um, And it's like this whole video gaming thing. Um, and the way that Shelter used it was they had loads of different like um, things to do with the housing emergency on the screen, and then they'd use it to kind of bite them and then kind of like myth bust. Um, yeah. So that kind of thing. Like sometimes there are things that you think, oh, you'd never really be able to capitalize on that. That sounds yeah. like a very strange thing, but you can definitely make stuff like that fun. Um, and there was also that weird. I can't remember what the trend's called, but it's a it's a bee that's going along and then it's got the voice from Austin Powers it's got that evil guy from Austin Powers that says and the best part is nobody can stop me yeah. and it's flying along and we use that to talk about the housing emergency and be like um, us every day when we get up and start tackling the housing emergency so again yeah. that's the sort of thing that you'd think what's that got to do with shelter yeah. um, but you make you make it relevant I mean this totally reinforces as well the need of course, to be familiar with the platform, to be absorbing um, the trends, to be yeah. on TikTok all the time before you can really think about making content yourself. Definitely. You need to be a native user, otherwise it's not going to work. Homework. Homework, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Shall we listen to the second example that you've sent us, which is from Shelter? Yeah, go for it. Do you know how many households become homeless in England every single day? The answer is 401. We know that sounds a lot, but it's true. 401 a day is a little hard to comprehend. So some of me, and I'll show you just how colossal that number is. Let's go count 401 houses. And then this next one is 201. Um, So that takes us to over halfway. Been out for 25 minutes now. I've counted 300 houses. We've got 101 more to go. So that was 401, um, and that took me about uh, 35 minutes. Now think of all the people in those houses becoming homeless today, and then the same amount in those houses becoming homeless tomorrow and then the next day, and the next day. That is the reality in England right now. And that is the housing emergency. So for the benefit of the listeners, um, this is very much obviously a a self-shot video um, of the lady narrating, putting on her outdoor kit, um, putting on her trainers, and then walking the length of, well, it's been, yeah, it took her a long time walking past all these different houses to really visually represent 
the housing crisis. That's right. And I think the reason it works really well is that firstly, it's got that exclusivity kind of factor to it, like come with me on a walk kind of thing. Um, like you're literally taking users on a journey, um, which I think works really, really well. But I think also it demonstrates the scale of the housing emergency um, in quite a visual, like a really, really visual way yeah. um, where people can really get an idea of how many households that is. Because sometimes statistics can be a bit meaningless after a while, like 400, like what does that what does that actually mean? But if you walk around the streets and count 400 houses, I think it's a really ingenious way of showing it um, and demonstrating the scale and being able to say day after day, this is how many households are getting made homeless. No, it's great. And it's such a simple idea and it's very impactful. Yeah. Which goes to show that you don't have to have a huge amount of production behind it for it to be successful. That's right. Yeah. I don't think you need to have huge, you don't, well, this is an interesting topic because half of me would say you don't need to have a huge budget for TikTok to work well. But the other half of me would say you do need to have the resources um, within your team and the time. Yeah. So whilst the video can be super easy and cheap to make, obviously you've got the staff time element of it. Yeah. So um, I don't want to fall into the trap of saying, oh, you know, TikTok's super cheap. Um because in a way it's not because of the resource intensity of that channel. Yeah. But yeah, you certainly don't need to have like fancy equipment um, or really like edited concepts. It can literally be a case of like, let's go on a walk kind of thing. And it can work really well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for all your insights so far. Now in the next part of the show, Lucinda and I are going to attempt to create Third Sector's first ever TikTok video. Before you leave us, Rebs, what parting pearls of wisdom do you have for us to get us on the right track? So a really top tip that I learned super recently, which I think is a really good one, is, like I said before, trending sounds and trending music are super, super important, right? Mm. If you can't find a trending sound or a trending um, piece of music that you want to use for whatever reason, then another thing that you can do is you can embed a trending sound or a trending piece of music into the video and mute it. Um, and that way it's going to get shown to loads more people so the next time you're on TikTok and you are scrolling through and you get served a video that has huge amounts of engagement but only has someone talking like it doesn't have any like sound look at the bottom and the chances are it will it'll have embedded some form of viral sound cheating the system (laughs) yeah yeah you're basically cheating like cheating the algorithm but that's one that I learned really really recently and I was like wow that's mind-blowing and ingenious so that's definitely a top tip also planning in advance so you know like make sure that you storyboard and you script something in advance I think having some form of plan don't just kind of like I mean you can just hit record and see what happens but it's going to take you a lot longer to come up with something good so I'd say plan as much as you can in advance um, keeping it short and simple so you know one key message if you look at the Arnalize launch post that had 2.9 million views that was exceptionally simple that was literally I think three or four videos of different lifeboats crashing through the waves with the words we've launched over the top and a trending sound yeah. so it's one key message trending sound um, everything's done in app as well that's another really important thing so make sure that if you're doing any edits add them in within the TikTok app itself and just you know make sure that you're introducing the brand and third sector to the audience without making any direct or explicit asks so you're not wanting to ask anyone to do anything you're not like sign up to our mailing list or 
visit our website or listen to our podcast. Like literally just we're here kind of thing. Yeah. That seems to to start off with. You need to lay those foundations as a brand before you start asking people to do anything, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's really particularly important on TikTok um, where more branded content and more kind of corporate asks at the start of a channel's life tend to not perform well. So it's like a soft launch, if you like. Great. Rebs Curtis Moss, Interim Social Media Manager at Shelter. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And particularly for the top tips, which we are <laughs> going to need. <laughs> I look forward to seeing your first video. So now it's time for a real experiment on the Third Sector podcast. Lucinda, are you ready? I'm certainly more ready than I was before hearing all of that brilliant advice from Rebs. Well, there's no time like the present, and I've been wanting to get a third sector onto TikTok for months now. I finally convinced Andy to let me do it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to open the app on my phone, press that little plus icon at the bottom of the screen, and we can get started. Great. Okay. We're going to get started. (laughs) Now, do you want to say hello? Hi. Hi. Hello. Okay. If you want to see the finished product, you can check out Third Sector on TikTok. How very exciting. (laughs) Now we've just got time for a quick good news bulletin featuring everything from the positive to the downright strange stories we've spotted in the sector. What have you got for us this week, Lucinda? Well, my piece of good news is that drug dealing can do good for charity. Mm. Yes. Both the Liverpool Echo and the Peterborough Telegraph have run stories in the past week about cash seized from drug dealers being passed on to charity. At Liverpool Crown Court, judges pick a different local charity every month to receive cash taken from sentenced criminals in a scheme known as Operation Payback. The cancer support charity Liverpool Sunflowers was the charity of choice in October and more than £50,000 were donated in the first six months of Operation Payback. And in Fenland, £1,300 was seized from the drug dealer John Smith, who was recently sentenced to over three years in prison. The money was found in his home among cocaine, a mixing bowl, weighing scales and a spoon, and will be donated to a local charity. Well, I guess there's no bad way to do good. (laughs) Quite. I mean, as I mentioned, it was a forced donation. (laughs) (laughs) Better than nothing, okay? That's it for this week. We'll be back next week for a chat with the head of fundraising at the Islamic Relief Foundation. So if you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the Third Sector podcast to be the first to know about it. And if you have any thoughts on our podcast, such as what topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, then please do get in touch with us on Twitter at Third Sector and soon to be TikTok. (laughs) But on Twitter for now, our DMs are open. Until then, I'm Lucinda Rouse. And I'm Alina Martin. Thank you to our guests, Rebs Curtis Moss and our producer, Nav Powell. Join us again next week.